That was just a CJ. Well, you can't say it like that. I mean, <laughs> he just did that. <laughs> there's, there's people out there going, I yeah. like CJs. Yeah, it's like, it, yeah, here's Chuck screaming at you right now, Larry. What? <laughs> F you. I'm Tony, and welcome to the Jeep Talk Show, where we're with the fun and off-road fun. F you. This is the only show where you can F you hear Jeep owners talk about things like F you mud rocks and giant tires and not get the F you weird looks. So strap in F you, grab your favorite beverage F you, and get ready to laugh, learn F you, and have a damn good time F you. We guarantee that after listening to us, you'll have the sudden urge to F you to go buy a Jeep and hit the trails. Don't say we didn't F you you. Oh, my gosh. On tonight's episode, nobody nobody gets that. They go, what the hell's going on? I know, because he's saying F you to these new listeners. That's not what he means, people. I <laughs> uh, uh, got a new word. No, I got to use it. No, you don't understand. It's uh, F you as in fun unit. The The fun mm-hmm. unit is is significantly higher on the Jeep talk show. Anyway, uh, in uh, Jeep stories, uh, Jeeps in movies and TV, you all know that you do it. You love it. You go, oh, yep. I remember seeing that Jeep and blah, uh-huh. blah, blah. Well, we're going to talk about that tonight. And uh, what, what do you call your segment, Larry? I'm, I'm saying, what's up, Larry? What, <laughs> what is the name of your segment? I forget. Well, it's been a lot of things. Uh, what's up, Larry's fine or fabrication with Larry. I'm good with all of it. Larry uh, is fabulous. I, I think we're, we're going to go with. We got to come up with something. Just be, careful how you, just be careful how you say fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> we're going Fab to talk about. Fabrication. Yeah, in the fabrication, Larry's fabrication, we're going to talk about uh, about trail welders. Ooh, I, I, I thought that. I said trailer welders. I was, I got to say, I was significantly more interested in trailer welders, but this trail welders makes sense too. We can talk about those too. And Wendy's <laughs> Off-Road Adventures, share what is the best thing about a real easy trail. I would think the removal of seat cushions afterwards mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> must have for your Jeep. Uh, get ready. Brace yourself. Auto stop start eliminator. Yes. So excited. <laughs> and you don't even have that problem. <laughs> no, I don't. But I, I love it. But you're renting vehicles, so you know. The trail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? It's time for the Jeep Talk Show with hosts Tony, Josh, Wendy, and Chuck. Well, howdy. It's Wendy, and it sure feels good to operate our ham legally with my new license. Hi, it's Larry, and what do you use for trail repairs? You know, you you mentioned something interesting there, uh, Wendy. Um, the you can use your ham radio legally with a license. Uh, have you ever tried using it? Oh, and don't answer this. But have you ever tried using it illegally without a license? <laughs> Only in an emergency. That's all I'm going to say. Right, but that's legal at that point. If it's an emergency, it's an actual emergency. It is legal. You, you can use it. But did you know that if you try, and this is this is what happened with CB, you were supposed to have a license initially mm-hmm. back in the uh, the mid-70s and, and, and before. You were supposed to have a license, and then uh, people, they would either get a license and not use it, or uh, they would not get a license and just use their CB, and it got to be such a problem. So many people were doing it. The FCC said, okay, <clears throat> we're just going to cancel licenses so you don't have to have a license anymore, which, you know, the kids just go, okay, well, we can just act up until we get to our, get our way. And um, so you would think that ham radio, you could do the same damn thing. But do you know that ham radio operators, the ones that take the test, and back then you had to have learn Morse code, right. there was, there was a, enough um, effort that you'd have to put in to get a license 
that it really pissed you off if somebody tried to get around uh, the the barriers uh, that you had to go through, the things right. that you did to, yep. to, to get that right to get on the, the airwaves. So ham radio operators will not talk to people without licenses. That's right. So they, they quite often refer to the amateur radio community as being self-policing. And that's what you have to do if you want the airwaves to remain clear and yes. to be used by properly licensed people. So uh, it's important uh, that you get that ham license if you want to talk on the ham radio, the, the HF frequencies or VHF, UHF and above, uh, to get that actual license so that you'll actually have somebody to talk to besides your Yahoo friend down the street and you both <laughs> operate illegally. But I'll tell you what, uh, hams will go out and find where you're located and turn you into the FCC. Now, whether or not yep. the FCC does anything, I don't know. But uh, the hams will take care of, the, like I said, self-policing. Yeah, we, we, we never used ours uh, without the license, but we used it to monitor. Oh, that's absolutely and, and, legally. And just, and just have it in case we were need an emergency being out on trails. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how that happened. Yeah. It's, All it, right. So being the odd man out here, I got to ask a question. How sure. do you know if they're legal or not? Uh, they say their call sign. And yes. if they don't say their call sign, they're not legal. Uh, right. You have to transmit your call sign uh, every 10 minutes uh, while you're talking, you know, if, while you're using it. And, of course, if you're not using it, you don't have to do it. But as you're talking, every 10 minutes, you need to identify. And you can actually go online. Used to be there was a call sign logbook that you could oh. purchase every year. I think it came out twice a year. And in that logbook, you could go and look up and see what the person's name was, what their address was. So you could literally look up that call sign. And it doesn't mean that somebody couldn't make up a call sign and use it, but you could actually start asking them questions based on what you saw in the call in sign the book. book. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Now it's online. So you can actually go like to uh, qst.com. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's qst.com. It's either qst.com or org. Yeah, no, it, I'm sorry, qrz, qrz.com. So if you go to qrz.com, you can actually look up call signs and uh, see the uh, the information that is uh, listed there for the individual. My call sign is WB5ZDD, uh, or as I would say, and people get pissed off because I don't use the right phonetics, but I like saying Willie Baker number five, Zulu Delta Delta. Uh, my favorite thing is WB5 zebras don't do it. Yeah, I know there's an extra eye in there, but it's a good way to for, to remember it. Uh, but uh, WB5ZDD, if you go in there and look that up, you'll actually see some references uh, and uh, QRZ.com to uh, the Jeep Talk Show and a few other things that uh, I'm messing around with, with uh, having to do with ham radio. So, uh, and, and Wendy, you'll be able to find yours there soon, too. Yes, I'm excited. Very cool. All right, so we want to remind you guys about Patreon. Uh, Patreon is great because you don't have to listen to about uh, this wild amateur radio uh, talk. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> it's all part of it. You just have to get the ads. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I got my license when I was 16, and surprisingly, nobody in high school was interested in hearing about my my amateur radio license. No, no, there, no. But hey, it doesn't matter how old you are when you get it. Just go do it. Yeah, I'm I'm finally getting to the age where I, I can have an amateur radio license. 16 was uh, was a lot younger than the majority of the uh, license holders <laughs> back then. So, uh, but uh, at Patreon we have ad free content, early access. Uh, we've got uh, Jeep Talk Show sticker. Uh, we have discount codes, and uh, it's just it's just kind of like where the cool kids hang out. 
Uh, speaking of cool kids hanging out, you can go over to our Discord server and uh, get join in on the conversation there. It's a 24 by 7 text chat type server. So uh, you can send pictures. You can discuss issues with your Jeep. You can uh, show off things that are going on with uh, just the stuff in general in life. Uh, and we all hang out pretty much on the, uh, the general channel. And uh, But there are areas where you can uh, plan events. You'll see sometimes that, uh, like Easter Jeep Safari 2023, uh, we were planning the, uh, that event uh, for, uh, for quite a while prior to uh, the event happening. And it was a great place to share information and coordinate uh, things. So, uh, and you can find uh, both these things, Patreon and you know, how, to, how to sign up for Patreon and how to sign up for our a free Discord server at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Larry, you said you were going to Toledo Jeep Fest this year. Um, God, that's like that's just in a few weeks, right? It's in August. Yeah, August. Uh, I think it's uh, we're leaving on the third to be there on the fourth. And uh, it's, we were talking about dogs earlier before we got started with the show. Can you can you drag a dog around inside the Toledo Jeep Fest, or is there dog uh, not dog friendly areas? No, I guess it's through some of the people we've interviewed for uh, for Toledo, they've been in a Zoom room and we specifically asked them if uh, dogs could be pretty much anywhere in the areas and they said yes so the convention center area and then you know the most of it is on the outside of the the city there by the riverfront so that's all open mm-hmm. well you definitely need to have them on a leash though don't you i mean oh, e- even if it's yeah. not a rule that's a, something that you want to do right you definitely want to have them on a leash and uh, clean up after them obviously but yeah that, that's good for us because you know there's some areas that don't allow uh, dogs to come in unless they're service animals. And uh, Duke goes everywhere with me, so yeah, he'll be there with me through the whole sh- through uh, all Saturday. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. So uh, I'd like to know from all our listeners out there: Are you going to the Toledo Jeep Fest? I hope you are. Uh, Chris, uh, Larry, uh, Julianne from Wrangle Her is going to be out there. Um, so uh, yeah, and, and and I'm sure several other people are going that I don't know off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, hope uh, the uh, Jeep Talk Show uh, uh, peeps see you out there. So I don't know if either one of you guys uh, ever considered getting a uh, Jeep uh, performance parts lift kit. Uh, I, uh, I got the Mopar uh, two-inch lift kit for my Gladiator. And even though I believe to maintain the warranty on the, the Gladiator, uh, n- number one, you needed to have that lift. And number two, uh, certified mechanic needed to install it. So I'm, I'm halfway there. I'm hoping that I can just say, oh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, kind of like you do whenever the people ask you if, you if that's a service dog. And you go, well, he's a service to me. I, th- that, I think that's how you tell them that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> now, does YouTube certification count or is it actually uh – Actual certified mechanic. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna volunteer that information. I'm gonna say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a Mopar lift. It's a it's definitely a legal Mopar lift. It's on my Gladiator. Uh, so, uh, but uh, this uh, JPP uh, G Performance Parts announces a new upgraded two inch lift kit featuring. This is the big story, I think. Bilstein shocks. Is it Bilstein? Bilstein. Bilstein. It's Bilstein. Larry. 
I I would go along with Bill Stein also. Oh, you're such a wuss. You don't have to go along with her. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they call it when we see edit shows and stuff. I'm going to go. I'm not saying you're wrong. No, I know. I believe it's German. So yeah, yeah. So uh, this is big deal because I I know the 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 shocks that I have on my Mopar lift are uh, the uh, the Fox shocks, which is just fun to say. So Jeep has taken its legendary 4x4 capability to a higher level for current Wrangler JL and Gladiator vehicles. Uh, when a upgraded Jeep Performance Part JPP 2-inch lift kit from Mopar includes specially tuned Bilstein 46mm monotube shocks with remote reservoirs. Ooh, I don't know that I need remote reservoirs, but that looks cool on a Jeep. It should help on a rough trail. I mean, that's really the only time you need to worry about that type thing, right? I mean, uh, washboard uh, type things whenever you're getting a bas- basically a lot of shock action. Yeah, quite a few of us now all have the adjustables. So, but yeah, that that reservoir definitely would help you. Uh, it's well, not not so much for rock crawling though, would it? Well, it's not just the rock crawling, but getting to the rocks. A lot of that terrain is got washouts or dips or you're you know one side's lower than the other so yeah it would help <laughs> so the new bilstein uh shocks complement increased ground clearance on larger wheels and tires by offering consistent fade free performance in all conditions in addition a self-adjusting deflective disc valve reacts instantly to uh, to surface changes giving the driver maximum control this sounds exciting. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, now I'm starting to think that those larger Fox uh, shocks that I have on there is uh, uh, may need to be replaced. I'd be curious to know what that ad is because it, this might be like the uh, like the Gorilla Glass, right? If you went to go <laughs> buy the Gorilla Glass, it was like five hundred right. bucks. But if you bought it as a factory item, it was what ninety nine dollars or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think we reported so I, it was ninety nine. It wound up, wound up being one hundred ninety nine or something. Yeah, yeah. Something but along if you lines. but if you price out the Bilstein shocks too, you're going to be up there in dollars depending on what you get. Oh yeah, it'd be interesting to see what this would come through as an add on to the original mm-hmm. purchase. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know, the remote reservoirs increase oil capacity for greater heat dissipation, while a unique swivel banjo fitting allows for a 360-degree rotation. My God, you're doing something if you get 360-degree rotation. Uh, of the flex hose for direct fitment while protecting the reservoir uh, oil line from contact, which you do not want to happen, do you, Larry? You don't want the no. the, no, well, you, the brake line you in your case. <laughs> uh so uh yeah it's uh it sounds neat and but does anybody find it strange that uh that uh, jeep and their uh mopar and this lift uh, only do two inches two inches kind of sounds like not enough it's not enough depending on what you're going to do again you know it's probably just enough to where you're not seriously affecting all your driveline angles oh i think you're right this episode is brought to you by paramount plus Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Probably much more than that. You have to really start tweaking everything. That's probably why they stopped there. You know, that's an interesting thing because what I did was uh, I actually put a three-quarter inch spacer uh, on the front when I installed the lift. 
and I got a check engine light pretty quick. Uh, actually, it shouldn't be called a check engine light. It was a, what do they call them now? But anyway, it was a light indicating there was a sensor issue. And the sensor issue was is that the steering wheel wasn't straight. Oh, yeah. And the steering yeah, wheel wasn't straight because I lifted it a three-quarter of an inch more than the Mopar lift uh, was lifting it. So wow. it, it made that suspension system, uh, that the steering system, be just a little bit out, a little just enough out for it to be off enough to have to be adjusted. It was easy to adjust. It wasn't very much, very much of an adjustment, but something I had to do. So that, uh, I'm sure you're right, Larry, because it was not in the instructions to make an adjustment on the tie rod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because when you when it went up, it actually went over as well. Unless you unless you had an adjustable track bar to scoot the front end back over. Yep. Nope. Didn't. So I think it's close enough. It's not a problem. I mean, I've put a lot of miles on it, and I don't have uh, irregular uh, tire wear or uh, uh, any of the, any of the issues. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's something you got to think of uh, whenever you do. <laughs> no, no modification goes unpunished. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> So included with the JPP lift kit, there are four springs, four Bilstein uh, shocks with remote reservoirs, uh, front lower control arms, front and rear stabilizer links, front and rear bump stops, uh, I'm sorry, uh, assorted fasteners, and the, oh, this is the the most important part, the JPP badge. That's horsepower right there. (laughs) The kit... The kit is specially packed in a custom reusable wooden crate branded with the JPP logo. Yep, I got one of those. Actually, those make great coffee tables. Yeah, actually, I get yeah. the chuck. Yeah, if you're a single person. Well, no. <laughs> and if you get mo- married or move in with somebody, it's the first thing to go. That's right. We're Everybody excited. remember the wagon wheel on uh, Harry Met Sally? <laughs> <laughs> it was a wagon wheel coffee table that went really yep. fast that was out the door very quickly <laughs> so anyway there's a new lift kit uh it's the same uh same height as the mopar lift and uh, but uh, different shocks uh but this time with remote re- reservoirs and and i don't know i mean it, the 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 mopar lift was was more expensive than this whenever i bought mine but i was able to find it on amazon for around 1200 probably 1250 or so uh, free shipping, which is huge because it's, you know, it's heavy. Uh, and uh, had that shipped to the house. Uh, I think everybody remembers the video of the uh, of the FedEx guy lifting up that box and walking it to the front door. Yes. Good God. That was Cussing heavy. you out afterwards. Exactly. May, he didn't have to. Yeah, I'm sure he had a dolly. But uh, I may have been able to do that whenever I was, uh, you know, like mid-20s or even up to like 35. But there's no way in hell I could have done it now, not without practicing. But it was really cool to see. And, of course, I got the video there on my security camera. Uh, But uh, And and even then, it didn't have all the parts in it because it exceeded the weight for shipping. So they had to ship it in two things. But, but yeah, that box is really cool to have. It's, It's fun seeing that box. But, uh, but anyway, it was a great lift. It was easy to install. There wasn't a lot to it because it was only a two-inch lift. And uh, it, it worked out very well in Moab. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I fully expect this thing is just as good, just as nice. You'd be curious what they charge for that because I know when I bought mine in 18, the dealer was giving you two-inch lift and 35-inch tires on 20s. 
And that was a grand total of $10,000. Oh, my God. No. (laughs) Well, you know, that same lift, I I checked it the other day. I think I was giving some information to somebody. I believe somebody had asked me what what I did to my my Gladiator before I took it out to Moab. And and I'll say this again. I don't think that you have to do all these things before you take your your Jeep off-road. But he did ask what I did to mine. So I was pricing stuff out. And that uh, $1,200, $1,300 Mopar lift, now is twenty four hundred dollars. Wow! So it has doubled in price. And I'm I I'll have to look this up. I should have looked this up. Now I'm curious, especially with those shocks. I'm going to look up the the shock prices. Uh, I do like my Fox shocks though. What what is it? What what shocks did you go with uh, on yours? It's the Falcon shocks, right? Falcon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, with, I have Falcon with the uh, the reservoirs and they're adjustable. What model is that? Yep. You remember, Larry? I thought it was a three point threes. Okay, I'm not. I'm not sure our model, but it is definitely adjustable. Has a reservoir. Mm-hmm. We oh. didn't get the Bluetooth model. I know. I like That's the idea the of the adjustable thing, though. Um, are they hard to adjust? I mean, nope. uh, no. Super easy. But I, I think we leave ours in the top mode. I think it is stiffer. I think. Yeah. And that's the only thing that was different between the JK and the JL. So on a JK, the adjustment is actually on the bottom of it, mm-hmm. behind the wheel. On a JL, it's actually up top, uh, by, the, by the top mount, so you literally just reach into the wheel well. It's just like adjusting the fronts and the rear. So from that standpoint, it got a little easier. So uh, on the settings, uh, I think somebody said hi. Is there also a uh, drive-in setting? <laughs> <laughs> Larry's mm. thinking about it. <laughs> if that's if that's number two, then yes. Yeah. <laughs> squeak, no squeak. All yeah. right. So uh Jeeps and movies and TV. Who here used to watch uh The Walking Dead? Or maybe still is it still on? Maybe you still watch it. I don't watch that. Never got no. into it. Yeah. I watched quite a bit of it. I thought it was pretty interesting, but I kind of got tired of the depressing nature of it. Um mm-hmm. They they needed uh, somebody uh, like uh, Ash from uh, what was that uh, that movie where he had the uh, the car and he put that spinning uh, blade thing on the front of it and he was cutting through all those zombies. You know you need to have fun with uh, with a show like that where you just decimate <laughs> thousands and thousands of zombies <laughs> instead of the you know all the depressing thing on that show. Oh, this is something that definitely is in the show is not in the show notes. So uh, we were watching Sightings the other day. You guys remember that Mel Gibson movie about the aliens and stuff? With the, mm, the long time ago, right? Yes, the the crop circles and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. alien invasion and stuff. So there's a, a really cool scene where uh, Mel Gibson used to be a uh, a reverend, a father, uh, preacher type person in the the small community, and he goes in to pick up a prescription, I believe, and the the girl that's working behind the counter. Uh, because of all these things that are going on, she feels like she needs to confess to him, but he's no longer a, a, a preacher since his wife died. He kind of lost his faith. And uh, she's going through all this stuff, telling him that she said damn and uh, and several things, listening to her confession so she'll feel better in case something happens with these aliens. And uh, I just, you know, she just, she's very an inter- very interesting character. And uh, I was curious what other things that she had been in. I went over to Internet Movie Database and looked her up. And she was the same, uh, not doctor, but she kind of played a doctor on The Walking Dead. And since you guys didn't watch it, you you probably won't know who I'm talking about. But there was a very 
um, shocking scene in which her character died when she was shot with an arrow. And the arrow went through her head, straight into her eye, and into her head. That's quick. And she didn't realize that she had been shot in the head with an arrow. You saw the arrow, and then whenever the camera pans around, you see that it's straight in her eye, and it was just like, aww. But it was the same girl. It was the same girl that was in sightings in that small part, and then the same girl that was in uh, The Walking Dead. I know, nobody cares. I was just surprised. It was just so cool. I had no idea they were the same people. So, Dukes of Hazard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we should start with uh, with Mash. I mean, Mash, that that, that makes awesome. sense. Yeah, yeah. The the Mash series. Everybody remember seeing Jeeps and that, right? Yes, of course. Oh, yeah. That's all. That's all they drove for the most part, wasn't it? Well, sure. I mean, that's the main thing that was there, unless it was an ambulance. And I don't think the ambulances were Jeeps. Mm, you're right. I don't, yeah, I don't know what those were. Yeah, so the uh, the 1953 military M38, uh, the uh, civil CJ2A uh, Willis uh, Jeep, and the Willis MBs. Oh, and they had some Ford uh, GPD, uh, GPWs. So uh, everybody knows that was not the Vietnam War, that that was the Korean War that MASH was set up, right? set in, right? Well, I don't know if I remember. It's been a long time since I remember watching MASH. It's probably been off 20-plus years. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good show, though, uh, and the uh, the movie was good, but uh, the series I think was actually much better. And of course, everybody remembers, and I'm sure some of you guys yelled it uh, when we first started talking about this. Jurassic Park. I mean, yeah. that was the Jeep was an iconic vehicle in that movie, mm-hmm. and rightfully mm-hmm. so. I mean, you're out touring the openness in the air, and you're going to see these dinosaurs, and why wouldn't you have an open Jeep with no protection? I mean, seriously. <laughs> You know, I was just thinking, uh, you would think that the Jurassic Park would have made, uh, caused a, instead of a ducking of a Jeep, a dinosauring of a Jeep. Yes. Wouldn't that be cool? Little mini dinosaurs. That's cool. Little, little raptors, uh, little T-Rexes. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, was, uh, I wasn't ducked. I was uh, dinosaured. Yeah. <laughs> so did Jeep ever actually make a uh, Jurassic Park model, though? I thought they did. You know, I don't think so. Uh, I, I I could be wrong, but I don't think they did. Uh, it then, seems like a it, it seems like a natural thing for them to have done because they made a Tomb Raider, right? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, uh, that's coming up. Sorry to give that away, but I thought that they had made a. I have to look that up. Well, they did. I don't think they did a, a Dukes of Hazard one either, and that would have been a good one to do, wouldn't it? That was just a CJ. Well, you can't say it like that. I mean, <laughs> he just did that. <laughs> and, there's, and, there's people out there going, I yeah, like CJs. Yeah, it's like, it, yeah, here's Chuck screaming at you right now, Larry. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, it was definitely a, I mean, that was probably the second most iconic vehicle on that show was that CJ7 that uh, yeah. Daisy Duke drove. Yeah. Of course, I think it was more about her, wasn't it, than it was the Jeep. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that, not me. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, of course, but I'm sure that uh, Bo and Luke Duke were were loved by a, a majority of the female audience more than the car. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I watched it, loved the car they were driving. Oh, so. yeah, that was just a cool I mean, design. Come on. So anyway, uh, and then uh, of course you guys remember the the Willys uh, Jeep and cars, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then uh, you already mentioned it, Larry, Tomb Raider. Uh, this is one that Jeep actually did build a Tomb Raider uh, model in uh, 2003 Jeep Wrangler. So that would have made it a TJ. 
Now, this one I was pretty surprised about. Gumby. <laughs> Gumby? As, Gumby as in, had as a Jeep. Green. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm not talking about the uh, the Gumby from uh, Saturday Night Live. No, the <laughs> cartoon. I'm Gumby, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Gumby and, Gumby and Pokey. Yeah, Gumby Pokey. and Pokey. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Gumby had a Jeep, although there was no specific model other than it was Jeepish that uh, okay. Gumby was driving around. And I, in the article that I got this from, they were actually talking about it. This made more sense than the, that Pokey would have had the Jeep, not Gumby. Well, exactly. <laughs> but I don't know why that would be. I mean, so is there a horse driving a Jeep? Makes more sense than a... Uh, a, uh, a kind stick of a figure, kind a of stick yeah, figure guy, <laughs> kind of a human uh, type thing. All, all I'm yeah. seeing is Eddie Murphy right now. So yeah, sorry. It's Eddie Murphy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be damn it. <clears throat> so uh, how about Saving Private Ryan? Well, of course there was Jeeps in a World War II movie, well, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Now this is one that you probably uh, don't know off the top of your head, and I think I have seen this movie. Four Jills in a Jeep. Now, this was a 1944 movie oh, interesting. with Martha Ray in it. And interestingly enough, she wrote a popular song back then. It was called Jeep Jeep, Listen to the Soldiers Sing. And I'm sure there was some very interesting things the soldiers would sing whenever they were having problems with their Jeep Jeep. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I ever heard that one. Yeah. So, uh, Jeeps have been around in media, movies and TV for many, many years. And, of course, it's not even on this list. Uh, I remember uh, in uh, Castaway, it was a beautiful blue, a dark blue uh, Jeep Cherokee. Uh, I think it was a 99 yeah, I think it was a 99. It was, a, I believe it was a classic. Uh, and uh, Tom Hanks uh, drove that around. I wonder how many how many blue uh, XJs have been sold as, uh, yeah, this is the, the, the Cherokee that uh, Tom Hanks uh, drove in the, the movie <laughs> Castaway. I'm sure a few. But that was, that was a big part of that movie. I mean, certainly not while he was on the island, but whenever he got back from the island, before and after the island. Wilson and an XJ. That's right. So... Yeah, and the XJs have been in the movies quite a bit. Do you guys remember the, the the first Taken movie? Oh yeah, he drove that when he went to get his daughter. That's right. There was a big chase scene. Oh man, with he, the he white put that, XJ. Yeah, he put that through the, its paces for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, there was so many of them made, and uh, but uh, uh, anyway, I had uh, and, and I was talking about uh, The Walking Dead earlier before I diverted. Uh, it was fun watching The Walking Dead just to see what Jeeps you might see in the background and uh, <laughs> not so much, you know, used in the, the, the scenes. I mean, they, they were a couple of times, but they were they were usually Wranglers, maybe uh, CJs, but uh, kind of the, uh, the Wrangler YJ, uh, TJ uh, designs. And uh, there was definitely, and, and I would see some Grand Cherokees in there on occasion. I don't remember seeing a lot of XJs, but uh, Grand Cherokees and stuff, so... Um, yeah, a lot of Cherokee representation in, uh, in the movies out there. Welcome to Fabricating Frenzy with Larry, also known as Jeeping Mo, whose hair is not curly. <laughs> I was wondering if you found that and dug that one back out. <laughs> That's good. I love that. You know, shouldn't there have been something there whose hair is not curly, but uh, we don't know or... 
uh, it, but at least it's not Mo or I don't know something. There was waiting for something there at the end. Or, or he has two brothers named Daryl. <laughs> yeah, Daryl and Daryl. I love it. Curly and Joe. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So let's say you're on a trail somewhere and you happen to break off a track bar mount or axle housing or any number of other related breakdowns that you have on a trail. Now you could always break out the rasset straps or the bailing wire, or if you get lucky and find that right log that you can place and, and get that all put back together. Or you could break out your handy trail welder and reattach everything. So today we're going to go through and we're going to talk about a couple of the more popular trail welders. And there are a few others out there, but these are the ones that I primarily see in most rigs or you know we talk about most often. And we're going to talk about a few of the benefits for them. Now, two of them are MIG welders, and the other one's a stick welder. And the stick welder one will have some pretty cool options that we're going to talk about. So the first uh, trail welder we're going to talk about is a carnage welder. And a carnage welder is a totally self-contained unit. And it's powered by an internal battery, and it takes a, up to a two-pound spool. And the one thing nice about it is it sits in like a pelican case that you can carry around anywhere. And it says it has about 15 to 20 minutes of battery life. And it listed on their site that says it'll weld up to 3 8 metal. And it, you can recharge this either by a 12-volt system like your standard vehicle or a 110. And the way that it's wired, and you'll see a theme with this, that it's actually a 24-volt system. So it's using probably two batteries in series so that it's actually working on a 24-volt. And it says you can weld up to a 36- or 60-inch long bead. And it just depends on what you're trying to weld. And I've seen these at a few of the trade shows. We actually played with one a little bit while we were in uh, EJS. And it's a pretty nice setup. They've done a really good job of packaging that little MIG welder and makes it really nice so you can get up in tight spots. And since it's all in one little case, you know, it makes it very, very portable. And next we've got a bun trail welder. Now this is one that I actually carry in my rig so that we're out and about. And I found that this is a very handy welder. And it's also a MIG gun. But it works as a spool gun, meaning that the spool of wire actually stays on the gun itself. And it's all self-contained in one nice little neat package. And it requires two 12-volt batteries to run this. So whether you have two 12-volt car batteries, they're, and they're wired in series, so it's also a 24-volt system. I've been playing with mine as taking two 24-volt lawnmower batteries, and I've seen that it actually welds quite a bit with just the two lawnmower batteries. And I, I did that primarily for weight. But that Bun Trail Welder, we've done quite a few videos on that where we'll purposely cut off, you know, bracket off an axle and weld it back on. And I've seen very little rundown of the batteries and really, you really get more tired of welding than, than anything else than, than you would just running the batteries down. 
And both the Carnage and the Bun are both flux core welders. So you don't need any gas when you're welding with either one of those. And it makes it kind of nice since it's a, a both a MIG process. And then we've got the Premier Power Welder. And that really is the one a lot of people really head towards. Now it's more of a permanent fix, if you will. So this installs in your vehicle. And it uses a custom alternator that both runs your vehicle or switches over and it can run your welder. And it uses a control box that you mount somewhere under the hood or somewhere in the vehicle. And what makes it portable is really any place you can take your vehicle, that welder will be there. And it runs a, it runs a stick welding process. So it's kind of nice once you put your leads on. You can use a multitude of different stick rods when you're welding. And the nice thing about using the stick versus the MIG is that that stick will get into very, very tight places that sometimes it's hard to get into with, uh, with the MIG gun. And the power welder has a couple unique features. One, there's an attachment to run your bun trail welder off of it. And you can also run DC-powered hand tools. So if you have a DC-powered grinder or a DC-powered drill or anything DC-powered, you can actually plug that in there. And as long as your vehicle's running, you can operate all your hand tools. You can run all your, all your stick electrodes. And you don't have to worry about running batteries down. As long as you don't run out of fuel, you'll always have a welder. So that's... We run the, the Bun Trail Welder. But eventually, I want to migrate to that Premier Power Welder. Because I think that it's a pretty nice setup. So they all have their unique features. Obviously, two of them are very portable. The Carnage is a self-contained case. And the Bun's portable, but you have to carry the two extra batteries somewhere. But the functionality of the, the Premier Power Welder with the ability to run other power tools and possibly run the Bun Trail Welder, then, you know, that's, a, that's a pretty cool feature right there. And one of these days, I'd like to be able to get all these somewhere on the trail and have like a trail weld off. Oh, just that would to be see. cool. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That'd be neat. Yeah, I mean, like a test. Yeah, know, just how see they how, they, how they work out in the middle of nowhere because that's the... That's the whole thing about all these trail welders. Now, there are others, and there's other ways to weld up for stick welding and stuff like that. And these three welders are very well known, and there's a lot of support out there. And you'll see them just about everywhere. But I, what I would ask is, if, if you're using a different welder, or if you use one of these, I'd love for you to call in, leave a voicemail... Let me know what you think of it or whatever system you're using or even get into Discord and we can have the discussion there. But I think that if you're looking for a way to repair your rig on a trail, any one of these would be a great solution. What's, so, the, uh, what's the cost on these, like an average cost of these three? Yeah, so that's going to vary, right? So the Carnage Walder, I, I think the last price I seen on that, it was around $1,000. The tr the bun trail welder when I was digging up info that I seen a sale on there it was around four hundred and that's about what I paid for mine. And the premier power welder, 
it's a whole different beast. It's the last price I seen on that was around fifteen hundred dollars. Okay. But but the difference there is uh, they're you send in your alternator and they they rewire it so it can run the so it can run that whole system, right? So it's more than just the welder than uh, the other two. But yeah, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're looking for a way to do the repairs, any one of those three would definitely get you off the trail. We have been in a situation where I wished we had one. Yeah, and the, the biggest thing I would say is if you're looking for a trail welder, go back into one of the previous shows and look at some of the gear that you need. Because even though you're welding, you still need the rest of the gear, the gloves, the hood. Obviously, you can't stare directly into it. And uh, you'll need some of that gear, but once again, if you're actually running any of this or would like to, reach out to us. Yep, sounds really cool. Um, so I know this is like one of the one of the tools that you don't need till you need it. Um, would you think that this is something that you would have because you wheel with people that have older rigs, or maybe the the type of wheeling that you do, uh, or would it be something if you had an, an older Jeep that you suspect you're going to uh, need this? M- maybe yes to all of those. Well. It is a yes, but I would say, too, the more you wheel your vehicle, the more stresses and strains you, you put it under, yep. eventually all that, all that adds up, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's like when you get up in the morning now versus when you were 20. It's not the yeah. same thing. <laughs> so the, the more you wheel, the more stresses and strains, and inadvertently you always got the one person who likes a skinny pedal in a group, which is always fun. So the repair... It, it, other nice thing about that, even if you don't know how to weld, maybe someone in the group does, and you can start by your little person just bringing the equipment until you learn how to use it. Maybe someone else in the group knows how to. Right. Yeah, and Tony, for us, I mean, our Jeep's a 2008, but Don's is, what, 2020 or 19 or 21? So yeah. we both had those trail breaks that we could have used this. We, we did talk about it afterwards going, all right, it might be time for us to think about, you know, getting a welder and having it on board. And again, like Larry said, what are you going to be doing? You know, we're not out being heavy on the skinny pedal, but there are times when just like you said, Larry, equipment's just going to fatigue over time and you need to do Absolutely. a quick repair. So, yeah, yeah great and, idea. And, I, and I've been playing with... Uh, Trying to change the different batteries because I'm trying to shave a little bit of weight out of the vehicle because I carry so much stuff. But I'm seeing that if I use two 12-volt lawnmower batteries versus two 12-volt car batteries, it cuts a a ton of weight out. It will shorten the amount of welding I can do. But so far, I've not seen where it's going to shorten it to the point where it's unusable. Yeah, because usually some of those repairs are very quick or it's a simple little bead, right? It's not like you're doing a whole fabrication thing you're just sort of putting something back together right in worst case you could always pull two batteries out of vehicles as long as you don't pull it down so far that it doesn't start right. when you put it back in it'll charge well that's a good point point. and my question was going to be uh how much room do you need for these things is it going to is it going to be take up a lot of room i think the um and i know this isn't the case but i think everybody uh, recognizes the uh, those those trucks with the flatbed on the back by the professional welders that has the right. big uh, the big welding rig on the back of it. Mm-hmm. No, we're not talking about anything that takes up this much room. No, so 
my bun trail welder, it sits in a box that's maybe 12 by 12, about 3 inches thick. Now, obviously, you have the two batteries you got to haul. And that Carnage trail welder, and its batteries are all included, it sits in about, if I remember right, it's about an 18-inch square box, about 6 inches thick. It's a Pelican-style case. Right. And then the, the Premier Power Welder is probably the most lowest profile because it's, it's a case or a box that mounts maybe a 12 by 6 to 8-inch box, about 4 inches thick. You mount that somewhere in your vehicle, you are already going to have an alternator, so that doesn't add anything. And then all you do, you got to carry your, your electro leads for your stinger for the stick rods, and then you're ready to go. But no, that that Premier Power Welder will upgrade to that eventually. But yeah, that's a that's a really nice system. Very cool. Well, it sounds like it'd be a nice tool to have. Like you said, even if you don't know how to weld, somebody probably will, and uh, right. they'd be able to make use of it. And uh, boy, if if you don't actually have the tools, it doesn't matter what <laughs> you what you got because that's right it's going to be makeshift and whereas a a good weld is going to uh maybe not only fix you to get off the trail but uh the foreseeable future depending on uh uh, just how good the weld was exactly very cool good information so let me ask you um how many of you uh watched the movie the new movie uh or the newer i should say uh movie war of the worlds uh in which uh the martians attacked and there was uh, electromagnetic pulses, which disabled all the vehicles, with the exception of the one that uh, Tom Cruise's neighbor was working on, which he uh, promptly stole and drove at least halfway through the movie, uh, because the uh, electronics in the uh, the modern vehicles was fried by the EMP pulse. Uh, I, I thought that was kind of interesting how I they that. how they did that. What if you could uh, protect your vehicle from uh, Mars attacks? And how would we do that? Because that sounds exciting. <laughs> well, and the, it's probably more likely that we're going to uh, have to protect ourselves from lightning uh, or a, uh, an actual EMP device uh, uh, exploding above our heads uh, that causes issues or are actually more likely a solar flare. Uh, I don't know if you guys were aware of it or not, but a solar flare also produces a, uh, an EMP uh, field that can damage electronics and your vehicle can make your vehicle stop functioning. So there is a device, I was really surprised to see this, it makes sense because you can pretty much get anything these days, but there is a, uh, a device called an EMP shield, vehicle EMP protection, 12 volt DC for car, truck, uh, lightning, solar flare, and surge protection. It doesn't say anything about nuclear uh, attack, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it would be uh, covered by that as well, uh, but uh, solar flares, and this is interesting. Solar flares up to 228,000 amps. So you can can quite imagine that if there was 228,000 amps of power being directed at your vehicle through the air, that that might cause an issue. It might burn out a processor or something. Uh, A few things. We could get some welding with that. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) yes. If you could time that, you wouldn't need the two batteries, would you? Not at all. 
<laughs> I mean, with, with with that many amps, could you actually be in the vehicle? No, or you couldn't touch the vehicle. Wouldn't it be all electrified? Or fortunately, does- we don't really have to. The the our bodies don't really have to be concerned about EMP. Uh, it's just the the electronics. Uh, do if you right. if you guys remember Broken Arrow, John uh, <laughs> Travolta says. Uh, Everybody turn off their engines now. Well, although I don't think turning off the engine would have protected him from that EMP, from the uh, the nuke going off. But, uh, hell, it was in the script, so I guess so. Anyway, this uh, this EMP protection, it takes about five minutes to install in your vehicle. Uh, it is a little pricey, but if you're running from aliens, it's, it's well worth it. $378.99. Uh, there is a link in the show notes for episode 855. Uh, of this episode, uh, jeeptalkshow.com. Just go over there and look for episode 855, and you'll see a, a picture of this device. It's not not a lot to look at, uh, but uh, it could keep your vehicle going, and it might even keep your vehicle going if you take a direct lightning strike. I think we've all seen uh, lightning strikes of vehicles online, and then the vehicle just stops. Well, that's a, that's an EMP uh, resulting failure. Yeah, I'm not sure if the CJ guys are going to be running out for this one. <laughs> so anyway you can protect your protect your vehicle from uh, emp uh, attack and it doesn't necessarily have to be nuclear it can be uh, various things oh and uh, although i don't think that this uh, twenty five thousand dollar insurance policy will do you any good if it's uh, the martians attacking uh it's still you feel better that you can tell people when you're around the campfire that uh, when society rebuilds you can always uh, get that uh, twenty five thousand dollars of insurance policy uh, whenever you uh, uh, have a problem with your uh, EMP device. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and you talked about the guy who got his Jeep airlifted with a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, there's an easier way to do it. You just sit in your Jeep, take off your tinfoil hat, and Mogar from Chromalon 8 will be by shortly to pick you up. Although there might be some probing involved. Small price to pay to get your Jeep airlifted. But that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you that I deleted phone numbers of all the German people I know from my phone. Yeah, it's now Hans free. That one is not 18% fun here. Alright boys and girls, I'll chat you later and have a good one. Bye. At least you recognized. Yeah, and if he deleted all but one, what would it be? Uh, finger free? <laughs> I don't know. Han Solo. Han Solo. Oh, oh. <laughs> now we're competing for the less than eighteen percent. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And obviously, I just passed over my head. I just knew somebody was going to get that one. <laughs> oh, I was, I was trying. Darn it. All right, so I just want to do a quick little off-road adventures. We went on a very, very easy trail run this past weekend, and I have to say. It was the neatest thing for me because we were the tail gunner, which means we're at the very back of the line. Um, we were not leading the run, and I didn't have to spot anybody. I didn't have to get out. There was no oh training. Oh, my no teaching. God. It's like a vacation. <laughs> it, was, it was a vacation. <laughs> and even though I was driving, so Bill could actually take time to look around and see everything, I really, really, really enjoyed it. So I'm just sort of saying that sometimes off-road adventures are not about you know, hitting the rocks and doing what you can see, see what you can accomplish or not accomplish and going all these massive trails. This is Big Bear has some of the most beautiful trails. We actually went up and over uh, Sugarloaf Mountain. We went down low. We, we drove, uh, believe it or not, along one of our rivers down there that's full right now. 
And we took everybody to see a massive waterfall that we just don't have in California, Southern California, for sure. So I'm just saying to everybody that sometimes jeeping is just about getting out and doing an easy trail. I, for one, had the best time because I didn't have to do anything. I wasn't involved. It was like, yes. Anyhow, so that's my trail. Enjoy it. Oh, that's so nice. I remember when uh, we first got the TJ, uh, we took the top off. Uh, I uh, we, I had a, a GPS unit. Uh, I can't remember if it was, uh, I think it was an actual separate unit that I was using in the TJ. And we just took off. We had no place specific to go. We were just going to mm-hmm. go into Central Texas. And uh, the GPS was doing all the uh, the decision making as far oh, as nice. where we were going. So uh, with the top off, uh, we couldn't have a conversation because it was so loud. Uh, but uh, which was was kind of kind of sucky, but a lot of pointing and smiling and nodding nodding of heads. But it was so nice as a driver to be able to enjoy that scenery. It wasn't yes. really on highways. It was just beautiful scenery and uh, enjoying the wind and everything. It was it was it was wonderful. But I mean, that was just on you know on surface driving, and it was it was very nice and it was uh, very cool having the uh, the GPS handling all the navigation uh, aspects that I said to glance at it occasionally. So I can well imagine, and there's absolutely nothing wrong no. with enjoying your time in your Jeep. Oh, it was so amazing. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it. it's nice just to point it in a direction and see where it takes you. It's right. really not, yeah. not any planning. Just go. Yeah. Just go. Adventure. I love that. Yeah. It's kind of fun when you can do that on trails and you say, where does this one go? Well, let's go check it out. Anyway, we had a great time. It was a good little off-road adventure. Highly recommend, highly recommend. Go for the easy trail sometimes. It's really a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And as promised, a must-have for your Jeep Auto Start Stop Eliminator. I'm so excited. You <laughs> the guys Eliminator can't see needs it. a lot of echoes behind it. Eliminator, Nader, 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 Nader. For Jeep Wrangler JL, JLU 2018 through 2023, Jeep Wrangler Gladiator Automatic Stop Start Engine System Delete Disable Canceler. <laughs> cancel yes. device cable now it is a bit pricey for forty six ninety nine. it's worth it and of course you can <laughs> of course you can see the get the link to this uh in uh, amazon just by uh, visiting uh, jeeptalkshow.com for episode 855 so i love this no more annoying start stop uh and stop and go traffic if your wrangler has auto stop start stop we have the solution. We're disabling yes. the little bastard. Yes. <laughs> After install this module, uh, a off function will be closed automatically when you turn your Jeep Wrangler off. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. You can disable it by pressing a button now. But yep. as soon as you turn your, your Jeep off and turn it back on, Goes now right it's back. re-enabled. Because, yeah. yeah, re-enabled yeah. every time. Yeah, so this device will actually re- have it remember where you had it. So it doesn't disable it completely. You can still turn it on. Good Lord knows why you'd want to. <laughs> why? <laughs> but, yeah, so it just gives you the ability to make the decision for your damn self and not have the computer do it for you. Thank it's you. a pretty good price, actually, though. I think so. You think it's so? So, yes. the, yeah. so the Taser Mini is about three twenty, three forty, uh, I think, and this is forty six ninety nine. The Taser Mini yeah. will allow you to do this. Uh, oh, it does. Yeah, and many more things. So that's the way I look at it. Is do I want to spend, uh, you know, three hundred dollars more and then have all these abilities uh, to change things, oh. tire size? Uh, that's possible. But gear yeah, ratio. But- 
But you know, being being honest about it, how many of those tasers were sold just on the start stop function? Oh, I bet you a bunch. Yeah, right, that's true. Exactly. Uh, you got all a bunch of other functions, but I bet a lot of people didn't know about those functions because it was so focused on at start stop. No, because mm-hmm. they were saying, uh, "Oh yeah, and I got the turn to start stop off." Really, you spent three hundred fifty bucks for that? Oh, uh, well, I'm, this is unsaid, yeah. <laughs> but I found out later. <laughs> and exactly. while I'm in there, yeah. while I'm in there, while I'm in there. <laughs> Hey, coming up uh, this week, actually tomorrow, uh, the uh, we have a, a great interview with Allison Parliament of uh, Duck Duck Jeep, the person that started the whole Duck Duck Jeep craze. Some labor, some not so much. Uh, which I still don't understand why people would hate the it. ducking thing. It's just a Who nice, cares? wonderful yeah. thing. But it, you nice see positive. it, you see it online, and uh, there, there's uh, the most recent thing I saw was uh, uh, duck decapitations. <laughs> hmm, that's kind of weird. Yeah, and uh, what think, though? I, what I are think, you looking at online, Tony? That but, seems a little Facebook? strange. <laughs> oh, and they actually allowed it and didn't censor them and put them in Facebook jail. Oh, they should have. Uh, they should have got them <laughs> the duck out of there. Exactly. Uh, but uh, I, I oh, think fun. I think Greg. Yeah, I think Greg Henderson from Unofficial Use Only actually burned a couple of ducks online. So <laughs> he's not a duck fan. Have you guys seen the little duck landing platform that they have for for jeeps now? That this fits right underneath the uh, the side mirror. It's got I a little got a little target on top of it, and it's what? specifically for the duck landing. So that's oh when when people gosh. go to duck the jeep. It goes right there in the duck landing zone. <laughs> Oh, boy. Look for that. Also online. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. So don't uh, miss our Friday interviews. It's always a little sad when we end the trail, but there's always another trail ride just down the road. Jeep Talk Show has four episodes a week, Tuesday through Friday. Subscribe and never miss an episode. And speaking of subscribing, consider keeping the Jeep Talk Show on the air by subscribing to the show via Patreon, the place for all the information, how to subscribe, and how to contact us at jeeptalkshow slash contact. How many Jeeps is too many Jeeps? Is it like too many cats? <laughs> at some point, I start feeling bad for the person, whether it's Jeeps or cats. It's true. <laughs> Maybe cats. Yeah. No. There's it's the the count for cats is much lower. Well, correct. Than for jeeps. <laughs> Broadcasting since 2010.